Proceed. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosey. The show's available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which someday we'll update at filmsociology.tumblr.com. You know, sometimes life gets in the way, and sometimes uh, releases are delayed, and, and really the main thing we want to talk about is Indie Film Fest. So uh, as good a time as ever, Craig Mintz, the executive director of the IFF, and it's been too long since he's been here. We, I know, it's I, we been were, too long. We were talking about the last time you were here. We weren't in this room. Uh, but anyway, gl- <laughs> good to have you here, man. Thanks for having me. This is your big time, because this is running uh, July 16th through the 25th. 24, it's actually the 14th through the 24th. Oh, 14th through the 24th. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I need to reread the website. Reading is a skill. <laughs> so, um, so I say, how are you, are you, you know, are you focused? Yeah, you oh yeah, laser focused. I mean, at this point, it's, it's the, the hard part. I won't say it's done, but like the, the planning is, is in effect now. It's just to see, throw it at the wall and see what sticks and see what people resonate with. So, it's kind of a fascinating process right now because we're out promoting the festival, talking about some of these films. And to see what people are gravitating towards is, is always fascinating this time of year. So you're seeing a little sunlight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been a, a, a good season. We've been able to uh, work through some processes. You know, we've changed some things up with, internally so that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot smoother process. There's a lot of people, you know, working on things, and it's, it's actually worked out really nicely. So... Uh, how many films do we have this year? Over a hundred. I want to say it's like hundred and two total this year. So just just so before we get to the schedule, yeah. I mean, so are you? Are, is it like you're a coach, and the day after last year's festival ends is when the se- the season begins? Yeah, typically this year um, we're actually probably well, we're going to be making some announcements during the festival this year. But yeah, literally the day after you sleep, and then you wake up the next day. You clean up the mess from the festival, and then you just start working on the next one. Uh, because it is. It's a year-round process, and that that's just the festival. We also do a lot of year-round programming as an organization, so then you've also got that to hammer out and get you know motivated to, to sell tickets and actually make it all happen, which is great. But, yeah, it's a, it's a year-round gig. How many, uh, how many films were submitted this year? Uh, the last tally I saw was 775. Uh, we tend to hover around that point. Uh, although every year we gain, you know, just a little bit more share, a little bit more share a year. And uh, how many people are watching? I mean, is it a, a tournament-like process? It's, no. It, so we have a screening committee. It's about 30 different people. Uh, they meet. They split into two groups. One meets on Tuesday nights. One meets on Saturday morning. And they literally watch every film, uh, shorts and features. The shorts they all watch as a group, uh, and then those are all graded kind of uh, on a point system together. And then they each person splits off into a different committee uh, or subcategory, like American Spectrum, which are domestic films, World Cinema, which are international, and documentaries. Uh, and then they watch features in those respective categories. And then, again, same kind of style. They're all graded on many different things. And then kind of at the end of the process, we all sit down at a table go over everything by score, uh, we block out how much time we have to program, and kind of start there. Uh, but for the most part, this is a, a festival that truly is by the people, for the people. Uh, there's not one person pulling strings saying, this gets in, this gets in, this gets in. It is a committee of people that literally watch everything, that are very passionate about film. And, you know, it's, it's a debate, it's a discussion, it's a contest. I mean, truly, this is a contest. It's Con 68, without the bloodshed. <laughs> exactly. Look it up, folks. Uh, okay, uh, I want to g- get to the, now we'll get to the festival. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with your, your opening night film. I would say, was and, and it's the, the great Kinnear film, Little Men. Yes. What, um, was this from the get-go? I mean, how does, when, I would say, when do you know, or when did you know that this was going to be the opening night film? Uh, I knew in uh, May-ish, early May. I saw the film. Of this year? Yeah, of this okay. year. Um, 
it had come out of Sundance, had done really well, uh, and we were able to put some eyes on it fairly early. And it's just, it's one of those films that is a powerhouse. Uh, and Kinnear, although he's fantastic in the movie, he's not the main character, which is the best part. Okay. I mean, I've always, you know, I'm a big Greg Kinnear fan. He's from Indiana. We've always wanted to try to get him here for something. Uh, so I see this movie. I'm like, oh, it's Greg Kinnear. But then I was floored by the two child actors in this movie. They are some of the best actors out there right now. And it was just like, okay, this is it. You know, we, we typically start the festival off with like a comedy or something that's a little bit more lighthearted. And this just stuck with me the entire time. So what's the film about? Uh, it's about uh, two families in Brooklyn. Uh, there's some turmoil between the families. It's it's a just a beautiful drama that highlights and follows these two boys that be- befriend each other, but then their families have this falling out. And it's, I mean, it's spectacular. And do we know how if there's going to be any uh, cast crew representation opening night? They are. Uh, the director's actually overseas in Costa Rica, I believe, right now. And Greg is filming another film right now. This time of year is always tough with these guys. Right. Uh, we do have some talent coming in during the festival, but it's usually shooting season for a lot of the bigger name stars, so it's hard to get a lot of folks in during the summer months. But uh, there's a film that we're showing later in the festival called Hell or High Water where we do have uh, one of the cast. His name's Gil, Gil Birmingham. Uh, which, if you're familiar with his, if you saw him, you know exactly who he is. He was in Twilight. Uh, he's been in a ton of movies, and he's fantastic in this film. Uh, who's he playing? The, the deputy. Oh yeah, okay, of course. Yeah, he's got it. So he, yeah, he's working working on his uh, that guy status. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before we give, I, I shameless thing, I got to bring up the. I have one Greg Kinnear story. Tell it. Um, Tracy Forner, our pal over at, uh, at <laughs> yeah. Indie Style. Yeah. So I was on, I was filling in for Christopher Lloyd that particular Friday, and generally when, Tracy will tell me who he's interviewing later in the day. Yeah. Um, like, I remember the first time I went on, he was interviewing Leah Remedy, and, and I know he was, I, I, well, I asked him to say some things to her. He did not, and it's probably all for the best. Yeah. But, um, but I always come up with some something, and I said, uh, I said, I said to Tracy, I said, you know, my favorite Greg Kinnear performance is Autofocus <laughs> yeah. as, as Bob Crane. And I said, when are they going to make a musical out of that? <laughs> and I you know, just kind of ha- off the cuff kind of so said that. So you baited him to ask him this I question. Did. He did it. He, it was great because I think it was uh, – <laughs> I think it, Was this within the last year? Like well, this was – I think, yeah, because he was doing uh, – well, Greg was in – was promoting Heaven is for Real, yeah, I believe. Yeah, 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 So So here's Greg, and he's in a – you know, if you've seen – he's in a hotel <laughs> room somewhere. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the PR person, okay, you're going to talk to Indie Style with uh, in Indianapolis and – and uh, and of course Tracy is doing the usual stuff. You a little inside thing when you're talking to somebody big, like Craig here. Um, you talk about the main. You talk about the what you're there for first. Yes. And then if there's any time left, you can you can go and and go off the rails. Yeah. You can you can ask the silly questions. Right. Right. And so and and sure enough, he did it. He did it, and Greg Kinnear cracked up. <laughs> he did not see this coming. So at the very least, we we made him laugh and go, "Geez, that was weird." <laughs> so we like that. I was yeah. when when Abdul Hakim Shabazz and I interview. We have to interview uh, Richard Thomas. When he was on tour with uh, Twelve Angry Men, yeah. So of course, and Abdullah and I are, you know, we're he's on the phone, and Abdullah and I are in the studio, and of course, we're we're doing all the questions we can about Twelve Angry Men, and you could see us starting to, yeah. Okay, here, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Because <laughs> no, we did not talk about the Waltons. We talked about well, I brought up winning because it was shot in Indianapolis, yeah, and Battle Beyond the Stars, <laughs> and <laughs> I love that. Movie. You know what? It was great because. He said, I, I brought it up, and he just started to chuckle and said, you know, there was a period in my life where I wanted to be, when I died, I wanted to be buried with every single print of that <laughs> film. And and then he just learned to embrace it. And I brought it up because I'm like, well, you could do a sequel because the writer's still alive, the director's still alive, and Robert Vaughn is technically, technically. still alive. So... Um, I also told him that Richard Thomas and I had something in, tom- in common. We've both pretended to be married to Francis McDormand and Bess Armstrong. So, <laughs> anyway, really good sport. But yeah. yeah, that's that's my Greg Kinnear with Richard Thomas story on top. All right, nice. Thank you. Um, now, uh, yes, I was saying go if you can go through because there's a, a certain uh, special events that are coming up. You already mentioned Heller High. Yeah. Oh, good. And then uh, Heller High Water is not it's the, the Friday. It's not the closing film. Okay. It's the Friday. It's the twenty second. Uh, and that's so that we could uh, program it with some talent in town. And there's uh, Gil will be joining us, which is when you see this movie, he is absolutely amazing in it. I mean, the movie itself is just phenomenal. Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, yes. Ben Foster, oh. uh, a piece of uh, 
Texas crime drama in uh, 2008. I got to see it, uh, gosh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, I think the embargo is sort of okay. It's it's really a solid, solid drama. Yeah, and it's... I think you know. I've heard a couple of people compare it to it's it's semi like old country, no country for old men meets you know a couple other crime dramas. It's just it's got that West Texas slowness to it that it's just a slow burn, and you're just like, oh, I love this movie. And, and I mean, Jeff Bridges as a Texas Ranger. I yeah, mean, that, come that's on. a no brainer. But and and yes, we've seen this kind of character before. But he did, but with your guest coming in the town, yeah. there's some nice bouncing well, yeah. off of yeah. nice chemistry between the two. So anyway, that is that is the Friday that night. That is the Friday. Uh, our closing night film this year is a film called Morris from America, which stars Craig Robbins. Uh, it's a great kind of – and I love this festival this year because we've got two uh, – got opening, closing, opening and closing night, which are both, you know, films that are fueled by uh, child actors. And they're both just powerhouses. It's like you came out of the shoot with both of these films. It's amazing. And Morris, Morris from America is about uh, the Craig Morris and his son. They moved to Germany. Uh, he's a – professional soccer coach and he goes over there for work so it's about this kid's interaction with german culture learning how to fit in he meets a girl uh and this girl encourages him to kind of expose his passion to that community which is rapping and it's just it's a beautiful film uh comedy coming of age but it's in germany which is the best part it's like it's taking this normal american film and taking it and putting it overseas which is really cool and craig gets to be the dad Craig gets to be the dad and, and the, the comedic support, but another great film. Uh, we are taking over kind of one of the big pieces of news is we're taking over the 48-hour film project this year. Okay. So that will be part of the festival, actually. Uh, registration for that uh, ends here in a couple days. Uh, and then the, the films themselves will be made this weekend. And then Monday uh, and Tuesday of the festival, those evenings, we'll be showing all the 48-hour film project films. And then uh, we will be jeering those as well, which... Is a fun project. What I've always said about film festivals like yours and the others that are here in town is that you know you get a chance to see something that you probably well I, I shouldn't say it, it it's easier now yeah oh yeah but I because rem- I remember but it's uh, easier to watch it at home that, it's that's not, true it's not easy to watch it with a group of like minded folks exactly but I, I I remember going to one of my first. Uh, uh, Heartland events mm-hmm. way, way back in the late 90s. And it was a big deal when a film you saw made it on cable or yeah. made it on video. Yeah. And and now, yeah, but there is, you I, you know, there's a number of these you can watch on on the on your computer. But yeah, there is still the group of, of going in. And by the way, festival audiences kind of evolved when it comes to their technology and uh, lack of six-month-old children in the theater. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just, just saying. Say, you know. You know I, yeah, we I'm have just, a respect for cinema that we, we exude. Nobody, so. nobody flips on their phone yeah, he's playing chess with death. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Nobody, nobody does it there. Sorry, they just don't. Um, and by the way, you have so the fact that you have a couple of kid-oriented films. Um, I wouldn't say they're kid-oriented. No, no, I shouldn't say that with kids with films with child actors. Correct. Let's try that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could just just bowl them over with just pop in. Yeah, exactly. So right? you they know, sponsor our opening night, right? Was, <laughs> Sun King uh, for the grown-ups yeah. and just pop in for, for yeah, the kids. Everybody else, get him right? a wheelbarrow popcorn. He'll be okay. You <laughs> see, this is also a festival. No hookers and blow. No, just no, a wheel no. wheelbarrow yeah, full of popcorn a, for the kids. A fantastic caramel <laughs> corn for the kids. We're gonna get them get them all sugared up and send them home with you. I can't. Yes, an email from just pop in in three, two, <laughs> one. Um, can you talk a little bit about? I was looking through uh, about Black Mountain Poets. Oh yeah. So our awards night, which we've moved a couple of years ago to the the beginning of the festival, so that we could uh, get a lot more filmmakers in. Which this year I think we have over twenty five filmmakers coming in from all over the world. Uh, just I got the list the other day. A couple from Australia, Europe, Colombia. Uh, so it's going to be a great night. But we do, we're going to be showing a, it's a British comedy called uh, Black Mountain Poets. And it's this, <laughs> it's really hard to explain. It's these two female con artists who are on the run from the law. And this is the best part because they try to steal a backhoe for some reason. Uh, so they're on the lamb and their car runs out of gas. So they end up stealing another car. Uh, and that car was occupied by a pair of sisters that were, that are, I should say, uh, beat poets. And they were on their way, they're, they're published author, beat poets, and they were on their way to a poetry festival, if you will, to present. So these, t- these two Connor sisters basically assume their role, their identities, and go to this hippie commune to be beat, poet, be, beat uh, poets uh, for a weekend. And it is, it is hysterical. I mean, if you're a fan of you know, British comedy, like this is the film for you. It is so good. 
Uh, but that's our award night, and that'll be the 16th. That Saturday so if evening. Flannery O'Connor wrote Happy Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, English majors. Uh, no, that's all right. Yeah, and so I would say, how many films uh, have an Indiana connection this year? Quite a few. We uh, have always had a, a category that we call Hoosier Lens, and that applies to both features and shorts. Uh, I want to say we have half dozen short films, four or five features, uh, of which a couple uh, fictional films. We've got one that's a horror movie that's fantastic. Uh, called that's, by the way, two syllables. Yeah. <laughs> Different film. Horror, yeah. Uh, and then we've got um, some great documentaries, one of which is about the homeless community here in Indianapolis. Um, so, yeah, just some really good programming. As you go to our website, uh, IndieFilmFest.org, they're all designated as Hoosier, Hoosier Lens and definitely worth coming to check out. Uh, and then, obviously, the 48-hour stuff uh, are all going to be Hoosier made. I would say, going with what I was saying earlier of films that you don't see, films you get yeah. a chance to see anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, these are films that are not going to open on 3,000 screens, no, but also definitely. the fact that you have the project. So you're getting fresh off, like the, off made, the film, off, the, off the laptop, yeah, <laughs> off the camp, you know, computer, literally fresh, right? Off the, you know, that's that's exciting. The best part of that too, and I like I tell people, it's like the the artistry that is short filmmaking is hard. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, anybody, not anybody, but you know, you can make a twenty five minute you know short film, but it is really really hard to make a five to seven minute short film that works, that yeah. clicks, that's paced properly. And that's kind of the beauty of this 48-hour film project is it's exercises. It's a contest for people to hone those skills. Uh, and you get some amazing – I mean, they're all great. They're funny. Uh, the concept is like each filmmaker, each team, I should say, has 48 hours to make a movie. They're given three things, a name, an item, and a, a, a genre of film to make. Okay. Uh, and then they have to make it into those parameters, and they have only the 48 hours to make them. But, I mean, some of the stuff that comes out of these things is just – hysterical, moving, beautiful, uh, and it's literally f- one week old. I mean, it's fresh. I mean, it's about as fresh as you're going to get from a filmmaking standpoint. And it, it is five to seven minutes? Uh, it's a max of seven minutes. Max seven minutes, yep. okay. So no seven-minute single take. Sh- I saw Cass- one a couple years. Really? It was a Cassavetes shot? I, I saw one. I was a judge. Uh, this is probably three, four years ago. Uh, it, unfortunately, it didn't make it in the time frame, so they weren't in competition. They 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 got they got turned in like an hour late. Uh, but it was a musical western, and it was all one shot, and it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. I was like, "That is crazy!" Uh, and I they deserved that extra hour, in all honesty, because it just came out and it was like I was like I was floored by how it. many takes did it take. Uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't talk to the guys afterwards because I think they were all just exhausted. Uh, but but I'm sure it took quite a few. Mm-hmm. So see, there you go. See, the, you have these experiments happening. There is, yeah. If you go to the, what's the website again? Indiefilmfest.org. Indiefilmfest.org. There is a slew of titles yeah. from animation and documentaries. I, I just watched yesterday uh, Seventy Acres in Chicago. Oh. About so Cabrini good. Green, and uh, you know there there is literally something for everybody. I quite honestly like if you have a certain style of film that you like, I guarantee you we have yep. programming that you can you can jump right in. And then the beauty part is, you come to a film festival and you have a, a set of films that you like or a genre that you like. You're going to learn some other stuff. You're going to see some other things, especially if you visit the shorts programs. Mm-hmm. You may have a movie that looks really interesting in a program, but we mix them up intentionally so that it's not all the same style. So that you're going to get exposed to, you know, some international films. You're going to get exposed to some short documentaries, and you're going to leave saying, "Oh, I like this, this, and this." And then you can kind of branch out and find some other stuff. It's a really neat way to find a different, you know, style of filmmaking that you may like or a different. Artist or you know subject matter to to be able to kind of expand that horizon when it comes to movies and shorts. Again, as kids, we we would see a, an occasional short if we went to a screening on a college campus. Yeah. Or I remember when you know when the Academy Awards would happen, you're like, where? I remember asking my dad, where do you see these? Yeah. And like, oh, film festivals. Mm-hmm. We don't have those here. This was Michigan in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. uh, so yeah, the, just the the availability is yeah. is much better out. Just there. finding them. There's yeah. there's tons of short films out there. And to be able to have a source to find them is is harder than you would think. And to be able to go to a festival and just have them all kind of laid out, uh, again, some of the most of the main like directors that are out there nowadays, you know, even you know Ryan, who's doing the next Star Wars film, it's like he started out as a short film director oh, yeah. and did the circuit that was the film festival circuit years ago. So like these these guys all come up through the ranks. So somebody you see this year 
uh, doing the film festival circuits with their short film next year, maybe you know, or a couple years, maybe making the you know the, the live action Bambi reboot for Disney or whatever, you know, right. something. Uh, so it's he a good just one. made that up, folks. I, yeah, it's, I did. Right. it's not really <laughs> happening. Sorry, yeah, Walt. <laughs> Although Jungle Book did well, Jungle Book did really well. It was a fantastic <laughs> movie, and Beauty and the Beast actually looks fascinating, which I think comes out next spring. I think so. Um, and but there could be also a snark of uh, you know waning attention spans. So these <laughs> these are definitely for you. But yeah, no, definitely. I'm kidding. You, if you're listening to the show, you have a long attention span. Um, the other thing is when you go to the website, um, there are. Could you break down some of the categories? Yeah. I mean, you were talking about the the, the variety yeah. and the availability. So we have three main categories. Categories. We have American Spectrum, which are all your domestic films, so made here in the States, uh, stuff that people traditionally are very used to as far as like subject matters, uh, no subtitles, stuff like that. Uh, World Cinema, which are all of our international films, uh, and then documentaries. So three basic categories. Each category is split into feature films, which are uh, 50 minutes or greater, and then short films, which would be 49 minutes or less. And uh, and then we have the Hoosier Lens, which is more of a designation than anything. Those play within their respective categories, uh, but those are then all the Hoosier made. And th- those are films that are either produced here or made by folks that are from Indiana. So, uh, and uh, you know, surprisingly, this year anyways, a lot of them were made here in the state, the great state of Indiana, which is f- fantastic. I mean, to see product coming out of this state uh, at the caliber that it is is always very encouraging, um, especially down the road. When it comes to you know having studios come here and make movies or stuff like that, just a reminder: the uh, Craig Mintz, the executive director of the Indie Film Fest, which is July fourteenth through the twenty fifth, twenty fourth, twenty fourth. Damn, <laughs> um, I know it's at and it's going to be at the two locations for the most part at the cool. Toby and um, the DeBose Lecture Hall, which DeBose. are both in the IMA. So one home, two screens. Uh, we'll we'll toggle back and forth. There can be only one. There can be only one. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> sorry, for the record, Highlander is not at the festival this no, year. No. Although, you know, now that you say it, I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> maybe next year. Lambert's available, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just... But yeah, it all takes place at the IMA, uh, basically the f- July 14th through the 24th. We basically take over uh, the, the theaters there at the IMA and, and have a really good time. We're also, like I said, we have a lot of filmmakers coming in for that first weekend of the festival, so they'll be... Out and about, they'll be they'll have their filmmaker uh, badges, so you can definitely walk up and talk to them about the process and where their ideas came from. We also are doing a a panel that Saturday before awards night, where we're going to try to corral all of our filmmakers up and get them in one place and do just a real informal kind of Q and A with everybody. Uh, And it's usually you know local filmmakers that come to that to ask questions about budgets and marketing and how did you get your film made. And it's always a really fun. You know, uh, window into the industry that is making film um, from the grassroots standpoint. Now, are the uh, the visiting uh, artists are they staying downtown? They are. They are staying at our partner hotel, the Alexander, which they always really like. It's a gorgeous hotel, gorgeous property. Uh, so they will be staying at the Alexander. I won't tell you no we numbers don't, or anything yeah. like that. But, but. but ladies and gentlemen, the, fact, <laughs> the, the point is the film festival not only is a film festival, but it's also an ambassador to our fair city. Always. Any any local you know restaurants, caterers, anything that we can do that's local, we, we want to highlight Indiana as much as we want to highlight film from both sides, whether it be inbound filmmakers or guests. We want to make sure that uh, we as a fine city and state are represented properly uh, to make sure that, you know, hey – I've got a project coming up. It would be pretty neat to go back to Indiana. There were some great vistas there, which, you know, surprisingly, Indiana and Indianapolis in general, I mean, you travel a couple-mile radius out from the city center, and you can shoot just about any style of movie that you would yes, want to. Yes, indeed. Uh, urban sprawl, cornfields. I mean, other than mountains, we've oh, got I'm just so, about everything else. I'm sorry. Spielberg already did the mountains of Muncie, <laughs> Indiana. Muncie, the fine Muncie, Indiana. We yeah. love, yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, it was that and the, the Illinois mountains in The Fugitive. So, yeah, we understand. Um, you mentioned earlier that the, that there's events going on all year round. Correct. What what is happening year round? Well, we have four main programs that go year round. Roving Cinema is a program that we've uh, started quite a few years ago. That is cult classic films shown in venues that make sense to that film. Uh, we just recently wrapped. We actually showed winning at the track nice. uh, during the month of May. So imagine Fight Club in the basement of, or in the catacombs under City Market. Uh, Field of Dreams at Victory Field. Talk radio at IBC. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Working on that one. Um, 
So yeah, that, those styles. So that's Rovian Cinema, and that's all year round. We are going to make a couple announcements during the festival, some big ones that we have coming this fall, which I'm really excited about. Uh, we have uh, Serial Cinema, which is a program started last year. It's the it's actually one of them will take place during the festival this year, but uh, during the summer months, it's the third Saturday of the month, and it's at the Athenaeum, uh, and it's those cult classic family friendly films, movies that you saw as a kid that you may want to bring your kids to, and the concept is it's a $5 ticket. It gets you into the movie and a bowl of cereal to eat while you watch the film. What kind of cereal? Uh, a variety. <laughs> Fruit Loops. Uh, I mean, obviously we did Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I tried to get some Mr. T cereal, but oh, that stuff's that's, impossible yeah, to come by. that's expensive and uh, old. So, yeah, I don't know if you want to eat that after no. the fact. But uh, but we try to, to keep, get the variety out there, and, and we've never had any complaints. We always have some good stuff. The Martin Mull film cereal. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Did not, no. not for the fan. And but Rocketeer we played last month, which was a blast, and we've got the hook coming up in oh, July. Oh, salute to Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dad's here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was Okay, we were talking off air uh, about New York City. Yes. Um, there's a cereal restaurant in Times Square. Really? Yes. CBS Sunday Morning did a profile on it. So you you pick the cereal, and then oh, there are there are additives, fresh fruit, yeah. granola, yeah, yeah. so, and and I hate to admit, bowl, apparently they're going to range from six to eight bucks for a bowl of cereal in New York. Wow. That's not bad. That's not, no, I guess if you that's if you not... lay over the New York factor, yeah, that's yeah, not but that I mean bad. it's and it's not just a bowl of yeah, filling the yeah, name yeah. of your favorite cereal. If yeah. you're adding some ingredients to Quip. it, I'm kind of strangely intrigued. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to check that out. I mean, that's the beauty of that city is you know if if they can do it, if somebody can do it, they'll do it in New York and give it a shot. Seriously, I was I was expecting twice that amount, twice yeah. that price, and then I would in Times Square. I mean, right. you go to a McDonald's in Times Square and spend thirteen dollars on a cheeseburger, you go two blocks away. And it's a dollar. That's insane. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, food for thought on that. But I know I like the the cereal idea. Okay. So uh, once again, the festival is or the July, website is the website is indiefilmfest.org. The festival itself starts uh, July 14th with our opening night film Little Men, and ends on the 24th with our best of series. If you can't make it during the festival, that last Sunday the 24th, we show all the award winning films, both features and shorts. Uh, the closing night, which is uh, Morris from America, is the 23rd. Again, everything takes place at the IMA. Uh, our website's very comprehensive. Uh, you can schedule out and export all the different films that you want to see to your personal calendars. You can also buy tickets in advance, which obviously we encourage everybody to do so to ensure that you get a seat to some of these movies. Uh, they do get rather full, and we want to make sure everybody has a chance. Plus, uh, you look at the long-range forecast. It's like it's going to rain next weekend, which is a good excuse the, in, to be in indoors. the movie world. It's fantastic. Exactly. Uh, in the regular world, everybody kind of frowns upon it, but. Um, it'll be a good weekend to go see some really good quality films that you're probably not going to see in the theater for at least a few months, uh, if at all. And it's probably one of the rare ex- uh, opportunities to be able to see it in a theater, a proper theater with a like-minded audience and be able to interact with everybody, have a Sun King, eat some just pop in, actually get a oh, meet. Oh, during the, the movie too. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you don't have to cough when you're opening the can. No, well, they trick. open the can for you. <laughs> Uh, but you, no, you know what? You, some of you know who exactly I'm what I'm not, talking about. Everybody knocks over a bottle or two in the theater and hears it roll. That's a bad. I first heard that at Scarface. <laughs> I was 13. It was not me, but yeah, that, that kind of shut up. Uh, and by the way, folks, the blockbuster movies are going to be there even after the festival's over. So oh yeah, and I give mean, the multiplexes a break. Even if you, you know, if that's your style of films, I mean, again, there's something in this festival. Hell or High Water is just one of those classic and at the very least crossover you can see it, films. You can see it before. I think yeah. it's going to open in Mid-August. August. So Mid-August. yes, if you if you want to be and a that's film, New York and L.A. Who knows if that's coming to Indianapolis? Yeah, that's true. Uh, sometimes October. we see those movies a little bit later. Nah, probably not October. September. But yeah, maybe early September, but. I mean, and and honestly, when we bring in movies like Hell or High Water, it does help Indianapolis get them quicker um, because the studios see. Tell sees, me about it. Yeah, I mean, if they see this response from an Indianapolis market, uh, you know, which they they already are because they're sending talent, I guarantee you, it's probably going to come to Indianapolis at least, in, if not the first wave, the second wave. Uh, so you know, these types of festivals, us Heartland LGBT, like we all help bring movies to Indianapolis and Indiana, and and just. As a whole, we all kind of try to raise the game here and bring these movies so you can see them in the theater. It's, trust me, we all watch movies at home on a Friday night on Netflix or Hulu or whatever that is, but there's nothing uh, that's even close to comparing to see a movie in a theater uh, with other folks that came specifically to see this film. 
uh, it changes the way that you react to a movie. Whereas you may sit at home and not laugh. You sit in a theater and somebody chuckles, then everybody starts to chuckle, and it changes the experience. So that's really what we try to champion with you know, our festival and all of our programming is we want to get you out of the house. We want to make it a social event. We want you to be able to interact with folks and have a good time uh, and bring back the unique experience that was going to the movies. I mean, it used to be a black tie affair. I mean, people yeah. would wear tuxes to go see films. It was a night out. Um, and it still is. It's it just a little be. Yeah, it definitely can be. You just got to change it a little bit. Exactly. All right, we're going we're gonna to shift gears okay. and I keep going because our coffee's kicked in. <laughs> How are things at work? Good. Uh, so my day job, I run the IMAX Theater in downtown Indianapolis at the State Museum, and it's been a very strange season. Uh, we are showing a lot more of the Hollywood product there at the IMAX Theater. We've added a digital system post-Star Wars, so we now have both a film IMAX projector and a digital 3D IMAX projector. Uh, it's in a fascinating what's called a rail system, so we can move one out and move the other two in, uh, but it allows us to be able to offer the spectrum of IMAX when it comes to IMAX as well as be able to offer, in a digital realm, we can show anything, non-IMAX content included. So not only are we showing just some of these amazing digital IMAX products, we're showing film content. We do it, did it with Star Wars, obviously. We did it with Batman v Superman. Uh, but then we're also showing you know, other content, not on a, f- a r- regular basis, but... Like we showed Purple Rain, we showed I was about the say, natural. No, I want to get to that for a second because I know how fast a turnaround were you able to from the time you heard about Prince's death to getting a print? So we didn't do the first wave. The IMA came out of the shoot with their screening, and it was you know you didn't want to capitalize on it. It's not every anything that you know I've ever felt appropriate being able to do something like that. Obviously, the IMA did it with full respect, did an amazing job. And I, uh, I, I know some people. Properly. That, oh, yeah, I know some people great. that saw it and said it was a blast because yeah. they hadn't seen it in the theater since 1984. Again, it's the theater situation. Right. We ran it in June uh, during his birthday. It was the night of his okay, birthday. We that's ran good. it, so we gave it a little bit of time. We knew there was still a little bit of life in it. Obviously, I love the film. I wanted to show it, so we we showed it that night, uh, and you know, people came out had a great time. Uh, but turn around anymore in the digital sphere, you could do it in 24 hours. Okay. Finding a print, print can be tough but you know finding a digital copy you know of these films they're they're fairly readily available so i mean even you know worst case scenario if you got to throw like a blu-ray in it's still presentation sure. quality depending on the the equipment that you're using um so it the turnaround can be fairly quick obviously you want to try to f- find the best medium to show it if you can right. get a 35 mil print or if you can get an IMAX print if it was released in IMAX it's always the way to go uh, but sometimes the parameters just it doesn't really fit. And you met you said you showed the natural. We did show the natural. We started a new program this summer, at least piloted a program uh, where we engaged local community leaders and let them pick their favorite movie. So in June we had uh, Mayor Hogsett pick his favorite movie. That's his favorite. Well, one of. Oh, okay. Uh, he wanted to show Patton, which I totally would have been <laughs> down with, but it's a three-hour epic, and that would have been a little tough to program. Uh, so given the season, that's kind of the beauty of the program is it's not always people's favorite movies, but it's the one that they want you to see at that time frame. And it may be their favorite film, but he was a real big fan of The Natural, and given the season – uh, it just it worked really well, and to see again see that movie on a, on a, the six story IMAX screen was just phenomenal. My, my I took a film genre class at uh, at, at the Ball State University, the Ball State. and uh, yeah, Wes Garing, God love him, he's still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he it was it was you know we we discussed a different genre every week. So we discussed the genre on Monday, we would watch an example of it on Wednesday, and then Friday we discussed the film and yeah. other things. And the very first week. We watched Patton. Yeah, we watched the war film, oh. and it divided the audience. Yeah, yeah it was it was great because you know, we we'd heard these stories because prior to that you were just debate talking movies with your knucklehead friends. So it was more like clerks. Yeah, yeah. But the, the <laughs> fact that this was in an academic setting in yeah. a classroom, and you know half half the audience thought Patton was a sadist, and the other half thought he was a patriot. Yeah. So. It is. It's a, one of those films that. Like, so the fact that there is honor the mayor. Yeah, yeah. He's a big Patton <laughs> fan. You gotta love it. Um, and in addition to those, we've actually started playing a lot more of the the traditional Hollywood product uh, at the IMAX and IMAX 3D. So we've uh, we've shown Warcraft, Independence Day, Resurgence, Tarzan. We've got Star Trek Beyond coming up later this summer, and kind of one of the ones that I'm looking forward to, um, Suicide Squad, which is coming out in August. Yes. Yeah. Which will be uh, it's. 
to see like the concept of the Dirty Dozen in the comic the comic book world, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. It's a fascinating storyline, and all of their uh, support materials leading up to the launch have been just phenomenally executed. So I can only imagine, you know, just how good this movie is going to be. Fingers crossed on that. Yeah, exactly. Now I, you're not asking, but I'm telling you, uh, Big Night or Blackula. So there you go. Um, <laughs> can't wait the host. Hold my you, breath. Can we do a double feature? <laughs> Blackula and scream, Blackula scream, absolutely. <laughs> no, I say big night, then Blackula. Uh, oh, jeez, no, you know who's not my own family's not going to sit through that. You know, the, the garlic and then the, the vampire movie. Ah, jeez, uh, no, I just it's funny. I, it's a funny exercise when you ask people, you know, what your what, favorite yeah, movie is, or, or what would you want to program on a uh, if you had one shot to program one screening in a movie theater. What would it be? Now, obviously, you have to be really careful. There's a lot of very obscure titles out there. Uh, and the idea is that... I spit on your grave. Yeah, you, you sell tickets to it, right? <laughs> and and a portion of the ticket goes back to a charity of the person that selected the film. Ah. Uh, so, like, the mayor went with Indy Parks. So a dollar to it for every ticket actually went back to Indy Parks. So you want to make it commercial. But basically, you're doing my job for me, but in a very fun fashion that can be... Obscure to an extent, but very, uh, very. Okay, major. how about how about Jackie Brown mm-hmm. and the Emma Sosi College Fund, <laughs> you get or the it. Emma Sosi Future Therapy Fund? <laughs> Those who know me know what that means. Um, okay, this is actually a decent segue. Say, <laughs> so we're not going to be showing a Blu-ray print of Heaven's Gate anytime soon. No, sadly not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we just we just heard uh, we we're now shifting into the area that uh, Christopher Lloyd once uh, famously called uh, "dead people we like" because we don't have t- time for dead people we don't like. But uh, yeah, filmmaker, director, and uh, and cinematic pariah, yeah. uh, Michael Cimino passed away on July second at the age of seventy seven. I, I have to admit, I uh, every July fourth. On social media, I post the lyrics to Born in the USA mm-hmm. because there are certain radio stations, not here, of course, that, that play that song on that date, and I think that's really silly. Yeah. It's it's programmers who don't listen to the lyrics. <laughs> and, catchy title. Yeah, catchy title and, and the chorus and the tone of it. And and by the way, get the Springsteen box set. You can hear the original recording as, as we thought it was going to be in the Nebraska sessions. <laughs> it wasn't. That being said... Because of Michael Cimino's death on July 4th, I watched The Deer Hunter. Ooh. Um, I always yeah. watch Jaws. That's my jam on That's 4th your of July. J- Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is a total 4th of July film. Well, also the fact that July 4th plays in the film. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's the, the beauty of it. Is <laughs> that's, that's a little warped. Uh, it is. It is. I know. <laughs> see, because in, normally in our house, it's either 1776 uh-huh, or yeah. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. So. No, mine's Jaws. The kid... <laughs> I always get up early on the 4th of July so that I can watch Jaws by myself because obviously the rest of the family probably doesn't need to watch that on the 4th of July. She's Your daughter's six? She is six. I haven't exposed yeah. her. She knows Jaws. She knows of Jaws. She knows what it's about, but she hasn't seen it yet. Uh, that will change as she gets older and I'm ready for her. I think she's ready to... to Handle Jaws. Uh, we'll get we'll get back to Chimino in a yeah, second. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I didn't I, mean no, to go no, off it's on fine. A I was I was five when Jaws came out, Ugh. and so, uh, did you see it? When you I were did. Five? I did with the yeah, parents. I'm they fine. Took yeah. <laughs> no, damn it, I'm fine. Um, it was wow. But you know, we saw it in Long Beach Island, New Jersey, mm-hmm. a, a, a peninsula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandfather went with us, who I thought was the old man in the sea, and he walked out. <laughs> And, really? Yeah, terrified. And, well, I mean, well, he speaks he a different era. I think there's a lot of people that that legitimately was a fear, still is. But like you, the monologue scene in that movie where they're talking about the USS, the USS Indianapolis, Indianapolis, it's like there's a generation that that just strikes a chord. Oh, sure. And they just it just it resonates in a, in a way that it can be very off-putting. Not to mention the shark that's not working. Yeah. Um, but no, the next day, my my father took me to the beach. <laughs> and 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 of course I threw you in the water. No, no, he didn't. No, he did something worse. He uh, he picked me up over his head and started walking toward the water, <laughs> saying "didn't." Ah, scared the crap out of me. But but looking back, it was oh okay. A, a piece of celluloid did mm. that to yeah, me. Oh, yeah. That was fascinating. It was really probably just the score that did that to you. Well, that, and the whole shark yeah, eating yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but then it was probably two years ago. I there are moments with my daughter. She's fourteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I call it uh, pop culture Atticus Finch. <laughs> and uh, Emma had seen Sharknado. 
twice. Okay. She had seen the original run of it, and then we went to a Rift Tracks treatment of it. And it was halfway through the Rift Tracks treatment, and I'm having fun. I mean, it was, you know, it's Rift Tracks. I'm a good time. Anytime I can watch stuff with it. And I, I kind of leaned over toward Emma. It was a Thursday night. And I said, you're watching Jaws on Sunday. <laughs> it was. I felt like I was a bad cinematic parent. She's like, okay, okay. you got to balance it out, right? Right, exactly. So so then we watched it, and my uh, I affectionately call her the little hipster. <laughs> and uh, we get done with the movie, and I said, what'd you think? It was all right. Yeah. I could see how that would have scared you when you were five. <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. Growing up, you know, obviously seeing films like that in the theater it was it was a different era. You saw films at a younger age, uh, and in today's world, trying to to not not censor or limit what kids see, but introducing them to them at the appropriate time, you know, as a as a parenting mechanism. Um, it's it's interesting to, to every kid's going to be different. Everybody can yeah. I- interact with these films differently, but to to see when that happens and what the reaction is is always going to be fun. Um, I swear we'll get back to Chimino. Sorry, but no, no, it's fine. Um, this this was a subject that was brought up a couple of weeks ago. Okay. I had I had Stacy Studeville on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, her, she has two kids, uh-huh. and the subject was, and I, I will ask you, Craig, if this yeah. has happened in your home, films that scared your your child in the theater, mm-hmm. but was okay to watch at home. And it, a, a great example, Maya talked about um, Zootopia. That the the jaguar chase scene mm-hmm. in Zootopia mm-hmm. really freaked her daughter out, mm-hmm. but then she's watched it in the comfort of her own living room, yeah. and now it's one of her favorite films. Yeah, yeah. We um, I didn't uh, I wasn't I didn't take my daughter to go see Zootopia. She went with uh, a neighbor uh, friend and her parents, uh, and she had a very similar reaction. It was she didn't know how to process it. I think is the right. Thing. Didn't know where those emotions laid in her spectrum. Uh, and then, you know, later we watched it at home and it was like, oh, here's this, here's this, here's this. And I think after she had time to process it and really realize that, A, it was an animated film and, and although it is scary, it's simulated scary. Right. Um, it, it, it worked better. We just went and saw um, Finding Dory over the weekend. And she had seen the first? She had seen the first. And she had, like, a huge emotional experience to it, which I, you know, I think we everybody that sees that film would, would have. Sure. Uh, some emotional experiences, but like to the point where there were tears and there were, you know, she, but then I guarantee you we watch it at home and it's going to be a, a completely different experience or uh, we could probably go see it at the theater and it would be a different experience. It's it's the emotions taking effect and that's kind of the beauty of film. Uh, all the different components of film, not just the cinematography, but even like the score and, yep. and the, the direction and the voice work, uh, voice work, fully, all that stuff. It's meant to invoke an emotion. And these kids, you know, as they grow up, which is fun to watch, like it's to see how the see how their emotions react to this kind of stuff. With I can't wait for the day when you're she's asked you about a film that you've seen. You know, Dad, do you know about such and such? <laughs> and you know, you've seen it twenty times, yeah. and you're no son, no sweetheart, let's watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there, I, for for me, it was the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Disney Channel, for doing Sergio Leone knockoff. It's <laughs> um, that will come. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's get back to Chimino. So, yeah. you, by the way, have not shown any Chimino to the daughter yet. Yeah. Um, oh no, that's not true. He wrote Magnum Force. He did write. He it. did, and he wrote um, Silent Running, which the little hipster said she thought was better than Star Wars. <laughs> oh my goodness. He, he, okay, borderline eco terrorist, maybe depending. But yeah. he loves the planet yeah, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, he he started at Michael Chimino, and also Michael Chimino started out doing commercials. Which makes me wonder uh, how how long it took for him to shoot a thirty second spot. Yeah, um, it's amazing though to see a lot of these film directors. They do do commercial work mm-hmm. uh, on the side to pay the bills between the movies. Like Nicholas Reffin does, you know, I think Pepsi spots or something like that. And it's like, well, that's really, somebody's <laughs> drinking it covered in blood. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so we go. Yeah, he started. Out, Michael Schmino started out with uh, Silent Running in seventy two, Magnum Force in seventy three, and because of Magnum Force, he got to write and direct. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Lightfoot, Lightfoot. Yeah. and I was watching a documentary about the the whole Heaven's Gate thing, and the only apparently the only person who said no to Michael Cimino was Clint Eastwood. <laughs> part of, now part of it was Eastwood, of course, was a was a producer on it. Yeah, and as you if you know Eastwood as a director, four takes at the most, mm-hmm. and he finally said to Cimino, "It's fine." Yeah, you know, Jeff, Bri- Jeff Bridges tells the story. He would he would ask for one more, and and Clint would say, "Let the kid have another one," and then, and that was really about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, watching the Deer Hunter again. Whew, yeah, um, that's three hours you need to settle in. Yeah, um, and and I you know I think as critics we're constantly there's a lot of films I could say well it could be a half hour shorter it could be I, I think I think Heaven's Gate could be shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, watching 
and I used to think younger uh, that the the wedding could have been shorter in the Deer Hunter, and uh, nah, I'm I'm not. It's one of those rare movies that you you actually say I could take another fifteen minutes of this storyline, yep. or it's so engulfing that you you disappear for three hours or whatever the length of it is. And you come out and you're like, "What time is it? Where am I?" You know, and you're just right. you're so into it. It brings you into that story so well uh, that you know it could be six hours and you would feel like it was ten minutes. And of course, that film got uh, best picture. He won yeah. best director. Yeah. Uh, was I think Meryl Streep's second film? Really? Maybe um, De Niro. Yeah, she had done Julia and then Young this. Walken, right? Like he's yeah, Young Walken, yeah. John Savage, yeah. uh, John, and of course John Cazale in his Five for Five. <laughs> So, yeah, all five films John Cazella appeared in were nominated for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. So, um, and with the success of that, and apparently he did some uncredited writing on The Rose with uh, Mark Rydell and Bette Midler. And then, yeah, Heaven's Gate, 1980. You know, and and if you've you've seen films about the 70s, when, and for me, is still the greatest era because directors had say Mm -hmm. before. And, you know, people like Scorsese and Coppola and mm-hmm. De Palma and Bogdanovich and, and Chimino. And, of course, all of them wound up having a big-budget failure, and the corporate world took over. And yeah. it wasn't just Chimino. Chimino, of course, almost crippled the studio with Heaven's Gate. <laughs> um, because we, for, for a, little, a little history, the same, because you know, I think a lot of p- critics at that time reviewed the press coverage Reviewed uh, the oh, making sorry. of the film more <laughs> yeah. than the film itself because they did it with Apocalypse Now, and Apocalypse Now turned out to be brilliant. Yeah, um, masterpiece. Right. So I think I, I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I own the blue the Criterion Blu-ray of of Heaven's Gate, and it is a I think it is a solid two and a half hour film. Mm-hmm. It is a really beautiful two and a half hour film. It's it's just three. So, I mean, but you know, and and there was this, the the depending on how you feel about your cinematic world, mm-hmm. um, on one end, and there was a really cool like eighty minute documentary that uh, Willem Dafoe narrates. I think it's on there, um, but about the whole Heaven's Gate thing, and part of it was. An eagle running wild with Chimino, mm-hmm. um, him kind of literally and figuratively waving a middle finger to the producers, to UA, to Transamerica. Yeah. And then on the other side, the search for perfection. Yeah. I mean, 50, 60 takes, especially when you're building a city with yeah. thousands of extras. This was, you know, of course, before CG. So I can see there's a, there's somewhere, there's a gray area in between. Yeah. You know, and to this day, Jeff Bridges, Chris Christofferson, uh, to a lesser degree, maybe Brad Dourif, uh, but they all defend Chimino. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it is. It is. It has been a pop culture punchline, but it's not the worst film ever made. No, no, they're, that's reserved for other titles. The other titles. So, and you know, and he still did films after that. He did Year of the Dragon. Yep. Subtle, written by Oliver Stone. <laughs> um, take that Mickey for Rourke, what it is. Right? Yeah, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Mickey Mickey Rourke with silver hair. Yeah, with, yeah. Yeah. Bad. He's he he had to be much older. John Lone is in that. Um, Asian community not happy with the film, no. but it is a it is it is kind of a very expensive B movie. Yeah, as was uh, the Sicilian. Mm. Speaking of Lambert, yeah, and his remake of Desperate Hours, <laughs> and then of course uh, his well he he did the Sun Chaser in nineteen ninety six with Woody Harrelson, and then to each his own cinema from two thousand seven, which he he directed a segment in that. Gotcha. So yeah, salute to Chimino. Yeah, I mean he he, he yeah he put his he put his footprint. Literally in in history. So <laughs> now, pardon my uh, pardon my Iranian um, director Abbas Kiristami, okay, who uh, got known in the world in the in the cinema world world cinema world in 1995 with uh, the White Balloon, 1997 with Taste of Cherry. Um, the one film I know him from, and it's also a Criterion uh, release from 2010, the uh, domestic drama Certified Copy, with Juliette Binoche. Okay. And it's a a a, a, um, a couple who are unravel a, a marriage that's unraveling, but as you go on, and I wish I could remember the the gentleman who plays the husband. It was two really solid performances, yeah. and Julia Binoche always does something interesting. Um, but but as the film goes on, it's not quite the relationship you expect it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, really smart film could be made here in the states. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the the sad thing. A lot of those films, they they just can't, or they'll make them overseas and then they remake them here. They and it's make, not the it's same not effect. The same. So, um, oh, speaking of remakes, uh, English director Robin Hardy died at the age of eighty six. Best known for he did three films: 
His first film was the original 1973, The Wicker Man. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Edward Woodward, Christopher But not Lee. the remake? No, not, <laughs> not the Neil LaBoot remake, which if you have a few cocktails and watch Nicolas Cage overact, oh, that's yeah. entertaining, but that I, I don't think that was the intent no, no. of Mr. No, LaBoot, Indiana's is. own Neil LaBoot. Uh, no, it is not that. Uh, and then I just, if you go on my Facebook page, I just discovered this. I don't know when they made it, but there's a song from Wicker Man, but it's it's Muppets Wicker Man. <laughs> oh, I saw you post that. Yeah, and uh, I don't know who did that, and there's there's the hippy-dippy yeah. folk song that's in the film, yeah. and it's, it's really smart use of images from the films and then CG to replace Christopher <laughs> Lee and Edward Woodward with Kermit the Frog and your other favorite Muppets, so... That's that's um that's online. That's a thing. That's on the internet. So anyway, he also made uh the 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 Fantastist on in 1986 and the Wicker Tree in 2011, and then shifting gears a little bit as far as more dead people we like uh, actress Noelle Neal, original the original Lois, Lois Lane, Lane yeah. um died at the age of 95. Going back, first film was in 1940. Um, appeared in films like Campus Sleuth in 1948, Music Man. No, not the musical. This was a 1948 film featuring Jimmy Dorsey. Uh, the Adventures of Frank and Jesse James, also in 1948, was uh, had an uncredited cameo in An American in Paris, as well as Invasion USA. Jennifer, gentlemen prefer blondes. Yeah, there was there was Amazing a Superman film yeah. in I think 1948, like the serial style. Like, serial style. Yeah. They kind of compiled those, yeah. um, and of course played Lois Lane in most of the TV series. And of course was Kevin Spacey's dying spouse in Superman Returns in 2006. Oh, yeah. So nice cameo there. Yeah. So salute everybody. Yeah. Um, okay, if you don't make it out this week, and really you should, um, a few titles that are out on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, Tom Hiddleston is as Hank Williams, and I saw the light with Elizabeth Olsen playing his wife in that one, uh, the, which played Heartland last year. Yes, it did. Great it was example the, the of a, a film that you can play in a festival, but you wouldn't see it theatrically for quite a few months. See, he turns it around. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, spin it. Um, also, the animated feature Boy and the World, and then the uh, the Angelina Jolie Brad Pitt project by the Sea, yeah. directed by Jolie. Um, it really wants to be a 1970s film. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have a, a married couple in the south of France? Italy, if mm. I remember right. Gorgeous looking. You know, it looked like a, a we, we make fun of Adam Sandler and the filmed vacations of the grown up films. This is the art version of that. <laughs> um, I wish it was, again, half hour shorter, yeah. decent performances, but it's, uh, you know, it looked like Brad and Angelina, Angelina got a paid vacation. Exactly. So, and a film out of it. So good for you. A <laughs> um, couple of old titles on Blu ray. Um, the original taking of the Pelham one two three. Ooh. At the very least, you can see that era, that weird little mm-hmm. era where Walter Matthau was an action star. Yeah, exactly. Charlie Varick, this, the laughing policeman. Yeah. You know, is he is he running and hopping over? Not quite, but this still. But yeah. it's a solid performance from him. Robert Shaw, Hector Elizondo, Martin Balsam, and if you're a fan of Reservoir Dogs, um, so there's some character name influences mm-hmm. that are from this film. And then, um, speak uh, going back to pop culture, Atticus Finch. Yeah. I showed uh, the Sosi family went to see Central Intelligence, okay, which was not bad. Yeah, I've um, heard yeah, decent, decent performance, especially yeah. from from Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I heard he's quite good. In he, the film. yeah, and uh, but there was a moment where I was watching it, and the same thing where Emma, you've now seen Central Intelligence, you need to see the original The In Laws. Yes, which is now out on Blu-ray. By Criterion, nice. Which so I'm very excited about this. Yeah. I think when people think of Criterion, they think of you know foreign staunchy and high, yeah, and staunchy art films. Yeah. But man, they they got the in-laws, which which Andrew Bergman, a great duo performance from Peter Falk and yeah. Alan Arkin. Yeah. It's just fun and crazy, yeah. and and it's it's similar story where two people meet and and the less the more meek of the two gets roped into a really complicated <laughs> political plot, yeah. and and you know with Central Intelligence, uh, Dwayne Johnson works for the CIA, Peter Falk in the In Laws works for the CIA, yeah. or does he? Yeah. We're not sure. <laughs> so anyway, that is out on Criterion, and and of course I'm very excited because. Um, if you go to a certain establishment that is still around and I still miss them, bookstores, um, Criterions are 50% off. Really? Through the month. 
Wow. It's one it's that time of year, the most yeah. wonderful time of the year for you film nerds out there. So yeah, the the in-laws and then I can't remember when the release date is, but we were talking, you know, Criterion is also going to put out Valley of the Dolls Ooh. and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls like a double feature on video uh, separately. Separate. Separately because yeah, so uh and I've been meaning to force Valley of the Dolls on some friends and of course a Criterion collection of a Russ Meyer film yeah. <laughs> written by Roger Ebert. <laughs> yeah. That's, you go get it while yeah, you make can. Sure you so. Check that out. Um, got a few more minutes. This has been, I need to get you back on more. This is, yeah, this, this is, is what I, I love talking movies. I mean, that's literally all I do. So, so I guess you, your daughter, who's six, six, there is that period where it was there a film or films that she could watch every day. For we, months. And kind of, it's a good lead in because uh, they just announced the sequel. We were always big Wreck It Ralph fans. Ah, so, okay. like, we she would was watch. How old when that came out? Uh, four, yeah, three? three or four. And it wasn't until later when we, uh, I, I purchased a copy. I went and saw it in the theater. She was still a little young. Uh, and Could, we, uh, on behalf of audiences, thank you. <laughs> it's, it, and guy, parents, it's tough to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, movies like that, you don't want to miss them. You know, again, I'm a big theater nerd. I like to watch movies in, in, in cinemas. So checked it out, and then we bought it later. Uh, and we got in this habit of watching it, like, literally every Saturday morning. And it just became part of our communication pattern, the way that we talk to each other. We actually, this year... You're uh, Ralph at home, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, it, last October for Halloween, she went as uh, Vanilla B. Von Schweetz, and I went as Ralph. Okay. Uh, but they just announced the sequel, so like the, the we kind of got off the, the Wreck-It Ralph kick after the first of this year, and, and now it's it's back on in full force. Wow. So that, that was kind of always a, a mainstay. And then, you know, Netflix. She's a Netflix person and watches all kinds of strange things on Netflix that I have no interest in. Does she? You haven't told her really about Sarah Silverman's career, have you? No, no. I figure she'll learn. That's something that she could probably not learn gonna, on her own. Not going to show her the own. aristocrats no. or Jesus oh, is magic. I, I may have to show her the aristocrats when she's much older. Uh, if you've not seen this movie, definitely check it out. Uh, uh, Full yeah. warning that is like you'll see Bob Saget at his his at his dirtiest. best. Yeah, his at best. His be- and his you dirtiest. know what? I I remember seeing Bob Saget do stand up yeah. on HBO years before it's Full unnerving. House. It is um, unnerving. And there's a joke which I can't say. And it was one of the, yeah I was like wow, um, yeah Emma Emma knew Sarah Silverman as the uh, the witchy girlfriend in School of Rock. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. and that, the other thing is and you 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 are going through this. It's going to be amazing how your kid is introduced to certain actors and directors because like when when we would see animated stuff, Emma will go who who do I know this one and yeah. like like Valley and I'm like let's yeah. see when McGregor that's. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was Rodney and robots and this yeah. and that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. Everybody be... does the, the – the, I mean, even uh, – what is it? Secret Life of Pets that's coming out. Right. Uh, like, it's every comic, you know, voices somebody in this mm-hmm. film. So there's always somebody uh, that they're familiar with. Say so what? What? What's the John C. Riley film you're gonna play for your kid before Chicago? <laughs> no, Magnolia, uh, Gangs of New York, <laughs> Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights. <laughs> hey, say what you will. Boogie Nights is a family film, just not your family, exactly, or our family. Seriously. <laughs> so, so what else has she uh, liked a lot? Uh, you know, she sticks to the the Disney releases at this point. Uh, we haven't really, I haven't really branched her out into some of the more. Uh, uh, Ponyo, pon- yeah, say, that's a great. Ponyo. I think that's a great gateway yeah. for Miyazaki and anime. Yeah, and you know, we've I've started taking her to some festival stuff that I've seen. You know, uh, the IMA did a run of uh, the New York Children's Film Festival. They showed a lot of shorts uh, that played that festival, uh, and she loved them. I mean, subtitled or not, she still Yay. talks about those. So, trying to get her exposed to some other stuff that's appropriate, obviously, um, and kind of broaden her horizon. But she. Every month she does the serial cinema with me. She's like my shadow for that. Mom gets the morning off, uh, and Dad takes uh, – she loves coming to the IMAX and helping out down there. So I think I've got a little theater manager in the, in the wake here. Cool. So, yeah, it's it's really fun to watch her interaction with film and, and, and kind of gradually progress into the, the styles of films that she likes. Obviously, like I said, she loves – Disney films and the princesses, but at the same time, she is starting to branch out and, and see, you know, French films about, you know, animated men that want to chop down a tree and the ants attack them. So. Have you seen uh, Ernest and Celestine? 
Uh, not yet, but that is on the list. Yeah, that was. That, I remember there was a great, probably the moment Emma became a little hipster is when she said, "I think Ernest and Celestine should have won Best Feature over Frozen." <laughs> so there, can't wait for it. You, you hear this, Dad? Can we buy this? <laughs> yeah, he's nodding. That means we we we've been there. Yeah. We're... All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's we're wrapping up. Words to live by: Soil and Green is people. Zardoz has spoken. <laughs> Your daughter's not ready for you to one of those. Craig, uh, just a reminder, July 14th through the 24th. Ha, yes, got it got right it. this time. And it's happening over at the IMA, yep. and it's IndieFilmFest.org. Craig, yeah. we will get you back on soon. Definitely. We should bring your daughter on. Ooh. Oh, boy. We should bring both our kids and oh. see where they are in their spectrum. Wow. Yeah. Emma can say when I was your age. <laughs> All right, so go see a good movie. Even better, go to a film festival. Please. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Michigan.